is one of those Sundays that I thought I knew I was going to preach about all week, and I woke up this morning, my mind was changed, and that'll make really good sense here in just a minute. <laughs> I like it when it works that way. Turn to the book of John, please. Book of John. First chapter. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the same was in the beginning with God. And all things were made by Him, and without Him not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same was a witness to bear witness to the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that comes into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came into his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, that which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. In this beautiful passage, we have rich theology, rich uh, context, and an uh, amazing and wonderful view of exactly what went on at the beginning, what went on when Christ came, and the purpose and reason for His coming. We see in this passage the, the word that is said here is capitalized, and in Greek it's logos, and it means the idea that we are talking about something that is not just speech, but something that is universally true, something that is in fact Jesus Christ is the word, the living word, the word that gives us life through faith. And we are taught in this that Jesus is eternal. In verse 1, in the beginning was the word. Before anything happened, Jesus was eternal present. And Jesus was with God prior to the creation of the earth. This is why we go back to the Genesis story, which follows a similar pattern as the beginning of this chapter. We see that it is spoken of in plural because God, being one in three parts, was present at the beginning. And everything that was made was made by speaking it into existence through the power of the word, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus is, in fact, God. Let no one confuse you from this at all. He claims as much, and therefore, as I've said repeatedly, Jesus must either be correct and is more than just a good teacher, or he is an out-and-out -out liar. Because anyone in society today who stands before you and says, well, I think Jesus was just a good teacher, then you must explain why Jesus claims to be God. Because no one who is a good teacher is going to tell you something that isn't true. And if it is true and he is God, then he is way more, you see, than a good teacher. He is, in fact, God. 
Jesus is the creator. All things were made through him and by him, nothing, uh, without him, nothing was made. Jesus is the creator. He's the giver of life. In him was life. We are here today because of him. We are living and breathing today because we are created in his image. He made the world by speaking it into existence. He created us out of what was made in the world and he breathed his spirit into us. And therefore we are similar like God in that we have a soul that has an eternal destination. He was the giver of life and he is still the giver of eternal life today. And lastly, we learn that Christ became like us. The Word, Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us. And everything we think we've ever gone through, all the heartaches that we've had, all the joys that we've had, all the ups and the downs and everything through life that we've experienced, He experienced it and responded to it obediently to His Father in a perfect way, without sin. And because he was fully God and fully man, he is able to take what I am unable to do to live properly, to take a sacrifice on my behalf and restore the relationship that was broken also in Genesis. And I can now become the son of God through my faith in him. And this comes because in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God and he became flesh he dwelt among us, living a perfect life. He was sacrificed on my behalf. He hung on a tree for my sins and your sins that we committed. He was dead. He did not stay dead. He conquered sin. He conquered death. He rose on the third day. He is seated at the right hand of God. And he is the intercessor, as we heard this morning, for our prayers, making intercession for us. This is an amazing, wonderful gospel. Gospel means the good news. And what we heard today is a testimony of a man who didn't tell you anything about himself, you'll notice. That's probably a good thing. Because it's not about you, is it, brother? It's not about me. It's about the Word of God that is living and active and in the hearts and lives of men. Christ has always been here. Always will be. Christ is, in fact, God. Christ made everything. Christ gives us life. Christ took on our form, demonstrating how we should live and dine for us so that we could be reunited. And it is our job to believe in Him, to live a life obedient to Him as He lived in obedience to His Father, and to share this message with everyone. Here, in this pulpit, in this building, at the campus, in hotels, around the world, with everyone, everywhere. We are created in such a way because we are made by Him and we have our living in Him that we long for a connection with Christ, with our God, whether we realize it or not. And I am firmly convinced that at some point in everyone's life, you have a moment when you realize something isn't right with me. There is something missing. There is something wrong. And that is the Spirit of God trying to lead you to Him who is everything. Acts 17 and 28 says, In Him we live and move and have our being. 
Apostle Paul said that to a group of people who'd gathered to hear him. And he explains that he's quoting one of their own prophets, but he's saying this is fact, is truth. Jesus Christ is our life, and in him we move and live and have our being. The problem is the world rejects this, even though it is plainly manifest just by nature itself. They reject this, whether they've read the word of God or not, and we go on our own way, living the way that we want to. I think I've quoted this before. I heard it about a year ago and wrote it down. I'll get maybe slightly uh, political for just a second, but it says progressivism, and that may offend you or may not, but progressivism is revenge against God for the act of being born. And you think about a lot of what you might see in the news today. People screaming, I wish I was aborted. People going and doing every ungodly thing we could possibly imagine. I think the answer is, of course, Jesus Christ. And the reason that they feel that way, the reason they shake their fist and yell at God and deny the very existence of God and do all manner of evil things is because they know deep inside that they're wrong and there's something missing. And what they need is the Word. What they need is Jesus Christ to make their lives whole. That is all that is needed. And all we have to do is go back to Romans chapter 1. I'm just going to briefly read it because we spent eight or nine weeks on it. Romans chapter 1, For the invisible things from Him, from creation of the world, are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and the Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of God, the uncorruptible God, into an image made like to corruptible man, to the birds and the four-footed beasts and the creeping things. Wherefore God gave them up to the uncleanliness through their lusts of their own hearts." to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator, who was blessed forever. Amen. For this cause God gave them up into their vile afflictions, for even their women did exchange the natural use unto that which is against nature. And likewise men also, leaving the natural use of their women, burned in their lust for one another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves recompense for the error which was met. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, ooh, they didn't like to retain God in their knowledge. Have you seen the videos where people try and witness to people who don't believe in God? They scream and they yell and they stick their fingers in the air and they run away. They don't like to hear the truth. They are enemies of the truth. And the reality is, you may not scream and hiss, and you may not be in deep sin, but if you are not a child of God, you are also an enemy of God. They likewise, I'm sorry, and even then, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, malice, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, Malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, uh, proud, boasters, 
inventing of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affections, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are unworthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them as they do them. This is the downfall of humankind that we know how we should live. Very nature itself tells us what is right or wrong. And we want to disagree with that. We want to say, no, I do not agree with what the scripture says. I do not agree with what nature says. And in fact, I will go my own way. It leads to nothing but worse and worse destructiveness until another translation says at the very last verse there, they give out prizes for who could be the worst. And all you got to do is turn your TV on today and you see the prizes for who can be the worst person on earth. What's the answer to all this? Well, it's the light. It's the word of God. It is, in fact, Jesus Christ. We know this on many accounts. We know that he's the answer. We know that he is the one who is the way. In Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, familiar passage, Hebrews 4 verse 12 It says, for the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and the marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the hearts. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Let me read that in a different translation for a few of you. For the word of God is living and active and full of power, making it operative, energized, and effective. It is sharper than a two-edged sword, penetrating as far as the division of the soul and the spirit, or the completeness of a person, of both joints and marrow, the deepest part of our nature, exposing and judging the very thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature exists that is concealed from his sight. But all things are open and exposed and revealed to the eye of him whom we have given you an account. See, the reality is this, brothers and sisters, those who are listening to me today, no matter who you think you are or where you think you are, God knows exactly what you do and he knows the intentions of your mind and your heart. This is the message that people want to shun and push away and say that can't possibly be true because all of us know that deep down inside, my thoughts are not good thoughts. Your thoughts are not good thoughts. Your intentions are often not good intentions. And the reality is we all sin and fall short of the glory of God, whether we sin physically or even just think about things that are not helpful for us. It is a sin and we should and will be punished for such behavior. This is the problem. I already gave you the solution. This is the problem of mankind. This is our problem that we face. And the reality is the word of God, that is the spirit of God, Jesus Christ, using in this case the scripture that I'm speaking of today, will speak to our hearts and divide for us the things that we can't physically do. I've mentioned this before recently. What's the difference between the soul and the spirit? How do you divide the minute part of the body from one to the other? Where does this stop and this begin? These are questions that we cannot answer and speaks to the ability of the Holy Spirit of God to point right to where it hurts and say, here is where you must be obedient. Here is where you must repent. This is what you must do. 
And the testimony we heard by way of a brother today of someone else many thousands of miles away is an example of that. It's the Word of God that is active and living in our hearts that is able to change us from who we are into who we should be. And this is why it is vital that we personally study the Word of God. This is why it's vital that we personally enhance and send out the Word of God. It may be easy for us to sit here today and think, well, surely everyone knows this. And the answer is, they don't. You can sit here today and think, well, surely everyone has a copy of the Scriptures. Most of us probably have a dozen or more sitting on a shelf at home. And the reality is, many of us don't. And many around the world don't. We heard just a few months ago from a brother who's pastoring a church down in Central America who was saved and told by God to begin a work for him. And so we see the power of the Scripture, but the power of the Scripture comes because it is alive. It is not like any other book. It is not just the fact that it is written. It is, in fact, a living, breathing thing. And you may, as the brother said today, this is where it's going to get very interesting, you may read and know the Scripture over and over and over again. And at some point, the Spirit of God that's alive and living will capture you and point right to it. You may have read the same verse over and over and over again, but at some point, all of a sudden, it becomes plain to you. Many of you know my testimony of my salvation. How many times had I read the verse, for God so loved the world? All of us. We quoted it today. How many times had I read and known the verse that talks about what we owe God, that I should love him with all of my heart, soul, strength, and mind? If I could count it up between when I was young, by the time I was 18, I don't even know. But there was one day that that verse was read, that it went straight to my heart, and I realized I didn't love God with all of my heart, soul, strength, and mind. I had never, ever given up to Him. And that is what drove me to my knees and brought me to a saving grace in Jesus Christ. It is worth it every day to repeat the Scriptures to ourselves and to others and to never assume, well, they've heard this. Because you never know how many times you will read a verse until God uses that verse to touch your heart in a way that it needs to be touched for you to be brought to a saving grace of Him. You see, you can read it all you want to. You can carry it around with you. You can write your name in the front or the back. You can give out a copy to every person on earth. What we need is that living, active word of God, the spirit of God to impact people's lives, to speak to their soul. And by doing those things, which we ought to do, is how God often works in our lives to bring us to his knowledge. There is only power in God. There's no power in this physical book. There's only power in the Spirit. And that's where God resides. And where I wanted to end today is where we began. John chapter 3. Many of us know this story, John chapter 3. Turn there, I'll be there for just a minute. This is a story of Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, a learned man who came to Jesus by night. We're not really sure why. began asking questions. 
And Jesus told him, you must be born again. And Nicodemus rightly thought, well, that sounds like a bunch of foolishness. How am I going to be born again? And Jesus explained it to him very well. He told him that he had to be born again of the Spirit, you see. Let me pick up in verse 11. John chapter 3, verse 11. And I'm going to do what we don't do very often. This isn't a criticism of this morning. I'm going to read the rest of this section here. We all can quote 3.16. Can you quote the verse before or after? These are very important verses. John 3, verse 11 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, we speak that what we do know, and testify to that we have seen, and yet receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man has ascended to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. As, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That believing on him, he is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son." In this is the condemnation, that the light is come into the world, and that men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For every one that doeth evil hate the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved, or you could say exposed. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, and this deed that may be manifest, that they are wrought in God, that they begin in God. Brothers and sisters, the point of all of this today is to understand who that light is and who the Word is, and that is Jesus Christ. I have told you the plain gospel, why He came, how He came, how He died, how He came back to life, and why it was all done. And I have told you that you must have faith in Him, that you must be reborn, not of your own will, not of the will of man, but of the Spirit of God, and that there is power in the Spirit of God when you read the Scriptures, when you experience them and put them into your life. You have heard testimony of brothers and sisters who have come to know the Lord simply by reading a random Bible that they found, quote unquote, and the Spirit of God intervening in their lives to bring them to the point, that light that reveals to them, you are not right, you are not okay. The Spirit of God works in them. And they seek forgiveness, they repent of their sins, they put their faith in Him, and they become believers. The story we heard of the Witch doctor, I think you called him, who was saved. We see accounts like that in scriptures, don't we? Of men and women who were converted, who burned all their possessions that were priceless, all their ways of the occult and things of this nature. These are accounts of men and women who have been changed by the very nature of God, who become His children. Not people who just signed the back of a Bible or a card or shook my hand or said they took care of it once. These are men and women who've been honestly changed by God, who God spoke to, 
who God divided the nature and the thought of what they were thinking, who took away any excuse they had as they stood, as the scripture says, naked before God, because God knows your thoughts, he knows your intentions, and he knows the difference. And so the challenge for us today is, do you know God? And does God know you? Have you come to the point where you have truly, whether physically or at least metaphorically, you have to humble yourself before God, admitted your fault, uh, sought for repentance, and know that you have received it? That is what the Word of God does. That is why Jesus Christ existed both before and now and for all times is to bring us whom God loved, whom God made, to be able to know Him and to be known by Him. And the Word of God is one of the ways that this happens. God speaks through His Word to our hearts, directly to us, so that we can know the truth. And that is why, after years of listening to some of these verses, that one day, something was different. Because the Spirit of God revealed for me something that I hadn't seen. The Scripture didn't change. The Scripture didn't change at all. The Scripture had been the same for thousands of years. But God changed me. And if God has never changed you, if the Spirit of God has never spoken to you in a way that reveals your state before Him, then you need to ask for that to happen. You need to read the Scriptures. You need to allow God to speak into your life. Don't be so stubborn that it takes some random dog bringing you a torn up copy of the Bible. Don't be so stubborn that you spend your entire lives living in darkness before you finally repent and come back to Him and waste what you had before. Don't be so stubborn to think, well, I took care of this a long time ago, that you don't look unto God for assurance to be your Savior. And don't be so stubborn to think, well, just because I've read, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever should believe in Him should not perish but everlasting life, or because you got a star, because you could memorize that at VBS or whatever it is, brothers and sisters, read it again and again and again as a man who is desperate for life. Because it is life. It is living and it will save you. And if you do not know the truth, then you are already dead. You are already lost and you are already losing. And so if you don't know the truth today, then you need to read the scriptures. You need to listen to the scriptures and you need to pray that God would reveal himself to your life so that you can come to the point of repentance and faith in him. And if you're sitting here today and say, Brother, I know that that has happened to me. I know that I've been saved. I'm confident what God has done for me and I'm thankful for it. Then we need to be in prayer for those who can't say that. And we need to be in prayer for those who go out every day working to make sure that people are aware of the gospel, that know the name of Jesus Christ, which is where salvation is because there is no other name. There is no other way. Do not be deceived to think there is anything out there any other name other than the name of Jesus Christ, whereby man can be saved and be made right with God. And so my charge today is that we remember the Word. In the beginning was the Word, 
The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. I'll skip a few verses. And He came into His own, and His own received Him not. But as many as received Him... To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And that is the power that is in the scriptures. That is the power of God to change a life, to take it from what it was to what it should be, to stand us up before God and say, I have paid the price for the sins of this person and he is mine and I am him and we have entered into a relationship that will start at the point of salvation and last until everything else is gone and continue on forever. Because that is the desire of Jesus Christ. That is why he was in the beginning. That is why he died for us, so that we can know him. And so I want to give an opportunity today, a hymn for us to reflect on these things. Maybe you're sitting here like I was years ago, thinking I know all this. And then it struck me. And the Spirit of God divided my soul and my spirit and said, You are not okay. And the best thing I ever did was I fell to my knees and I admitted I wasn't. And I sought Him for forgiveness. And brothers and sisters, that's the best thing you could ever do. To allow God to point to you and say, No, you're not okay. To go before Him Humbly confess your sins and seek his forgiveness. That's what the scripture tells us, what the scripture teaches. It's what I will stand on and preach till my dying day, never wavering, because that is what I am called to do, and that is what the scripture says we are to do. And that is the message we must take. That is what the Spirit of God is desiring for us today.